0: it is dead. a message for liberals and the mainstream media. You can't handle the truth! So, buckle up, snowflakes, because we're about to deliver the politically direct best in conservative commentary, news, and investigative reports. We're... Telling the truth, and we're not going to stop. Okay, liberals, back under the bridge with the rest of your fellow trolls. And, oh yeah, thanks for listening to Right Side Patriots. They are special, special people on RSPRadio1.com. Welcome to Right Side Patriots on RSPRadio1.com. Craig Andreessen from the National Patriot, and Diane Sorry at the Patriot Factor. It's Tuesday night. It's the 15th of November. Welcome to it. Hello, Diane.
1: Hello, Craig, and how are you today? You know, <laughs> confused. <laughs> it's kind of been a busy uh, news day.
0: <laughs> where Where were we when we left off last Tuesday? Oh, yeah, we still hadn't won the uh, house and we were pretty sure we had lost the senate has anything changed
1: no okay it's a week after the election folks and there are still 13 house seats that need to be decided we're one away just one away and chances are we'll get that one right but don't be shocked if suddenly those 13
0: Go to the Democrats. I know that's <laughs> that's just the problem, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're keeping an eye on that. We're keeping an eye on a lot of things tonight. Before we get into all the stuff we're keeping an eye on, let me tell you what's coming up on the show, folks. Um, in, in less than a half an hour, Diane's going to be talking about two more years. Two more years. Need I say more? Mm-hmm. And uh, after that. I'm going to be talking about Desantis 2024, Unite
1: the Right. Mm-hmm. If you uh, remember Desantis's speech, two more years pertains to something. So Craig and I are both on the same page. We're just handling things a little bit different.
0: Yeah, we're just we're just looking at it from you know slightly different aspects. Right. You know, so it's it. You know, we got all of that coming up for you now, along with keeping an eye on what's happening with the house race, okay? Which may or not may not be called uh, until March or April of next year. um, One of the other things we're kind of keeping an eye on, and we're going to be bleary eyed tomorrow morning because of it, is the potential of an Artemis rocket launch uh, beginning at one oh four tomorrow
1: morning yes in other words in the middle of the night but there is a reason to you know for doing that from the cape the weather tends to be calmer at night and um it's you know it's a good reason
0: well in the moon this thing is supposed to go to the moon if they can get it off the ground you know and so that is you know in the right position and it's all about timing they got a two-hour window yes so and
1: which is good and being that craig and i are insomniacs you know we'll be up one of us will catch the launch of not
0: we'll we'll be up anyway so you know to to, to the rest of you it's probably not such a big deal to us it's kind of a cool thing to watch um and, and we're up so why not Uh, um here's the big thing that we're keeping an eye on now originally we were going to talk all about the election in this first segment tonight that has been scrapped because of the situation that has occurred occurred earlier this afternoon in poland um diane this is something you and i talked about in the early days of the war uh russia in ukraine the possibility that something like this could happen. Bring people up to speed on what we're talking about.
1: Basically, what happened is a Russian rocket, use your air quotes here, overshot Ukraine three miles into Poland and killed two Polish citizens working at a grain factory. The problem is Russia is now denying all capability, culpability in this saying that either Ukraine shot it down or it was a Ukraine rocket to begin with. However, let's see, Poland is to the east of Ukraine. So if Poland is going, um, I should say Ukraine is, oh, wait a minute here, I'm tired. Poland is to the east of Ukraine. So if, Ukraine was going to do anything to stop a rocket, they would send their rockets westward. They would not send their rockets into Ukraine, uh, uh, into Poland, a country who has taken many of their refugees, who is on their side, who we have men in Poland at bases. The Ukrainians wouldn't do that. So Putin's brouhaha about, oh, no, we had nothing to do with this, is pure BS.
0: Yeah, I mean. Total
1: and complete BS. And, but what makes it worse than anything really is our Pentagon. Yes, they said if Article 5 is breached, we'll, you know, stand with NATO and like we're supposed to do. However, they're still waiting for confirmation. Poland has the pieces of the rocket, it is Russian. But we're still waiting for verification and seeing what the other countries have to say because Poland called a meeting for tomorrow morning uh, for the um, NATO ambassadors or whatever you want to call them. So all of this is still ongoing and all of this is pure BS because Putin is losing in Ukraine totally losing in Ukraine. And what makes this worse, he shot off between 85 and 90 rockets into Ukraine, which by doing what he did, have put Moldova without electricity, a country that they're not at war with. And people have to remember what Putin said in the very beginning, I want my satellites back.
0: Well, you know, here's here's part of the problem. Okay, I, I don't know how to pronounce the name of this town in Poland. Nobody does. Uh, Przewado. I'm just you know P R Z E W O D O W Um Przewado is what about three miles away from the Polish-Ukrainian border, correct? Three miles. Mm-hmm. Okay, but here's the problem. Uh, one of the areas that was uh, under rocket attack by Russia uh, when, when this all happened was the Ukrainian city of Lviv. Mm-hmm. Okay, Now, Lviv is 73 miles from Priswato. Right. 73 miles. Um, so wherever you're at tonight, folks, think of a town that's 73 miles away okay uh and and let's say that town was the the target of incoming missiles whatever town it is near you 73 miles away and at least one we have we do have reports that maybe it was two rockets but at least one doesn't hit that town 73 miles away from you it lands in your backyard Mm -hmm. okay now I find it hard to believe this was an errant shot. Um, you know, uh, how many rockets has Russia fired in, in nine months? And ah, thousands. now, yeah, and now suddenly they've got one that goes 73 miles off course. Mm-hmm. I, I find that hard to believe. It's impossible to believe that the rocket came from Ukraine. It's a Russian rocket.
1: And the piece is <laughs> proof that it's a Russian rocket.
0: I, you know, so uh, this opens up a whole bunch of scenarios. Now, obviously, the whole thing is under investigation right now. There's, like Diane said, there's emergency meetings that have been called uh, inside of Poland, inside of other countries, NATO emergency meetings as well. Uh, They're all looking at this thing. But how did this rocket get from Russia into Poland, 73 miles away from its nearest target?
1: Well, you know, you possibly can have a miscalculation in the actual firing. Somebody could have deliberately miscalculated Uh, Because you have to remember, Putin is in very bad shape now in his own country. People are mad about this war because it has affected the economy and everything else. Could it be somebody, let's say, on the good side that says we've had enough of this nonsense and let's end it, you know, bring NATO in, whatever? But I don't think so. I don't really think so. Because Putin's only way now to win this war is by saving face. And Putin is egotistical enough to try to bring NATO in so he can then go and say, let's use a low um, megawatt tactical nuke. We'll, you know, finish off Ukraine. That's it. The war is over. Whatever. We are not dealing with a sane man anymore. Putin has totally lost his mind with this war.
0: Now, here, here's here's the thing, though. You can't discount anything. What Diana's saying right here is a perfectly plausible explanation. Okay, I mean this this could be a, a a very plausible explanation as she lays it out. Let me let me throw out there another very plausible explanation. Putin is having so much trouble with Ukraine, and, and what, by all accounts, is a ragtag army with, with mm-hmm. you know, the Ukrainian army, but but they're staunch defenders of their territory, okay? What if somebody inside Russia, somebody within the Russian military, re-aimed that rocket, changed its trajectory, reprogrammed it, if you will, so that it would land in Poland a NATO country with the idea that it might trigger an article 5 which means that Poland and other NATO countries would then engage Russia shove them out of Ukraine thus ending the war i mean that's plausible too right
1: absolutely but you got something else to deal with let's say either scenario is true it's proven Russia did this for whatever reasons now we're faced with Article 5. Look who we have as president. The man who a few months ago said we will never, ever put American boots on the ground in Ukraine. What's he going to do when we have to put American boots on the ground in Ukraine? Is it going to be a repeat of the read my lips, you know, no new taxes scenario? Well. What's, what's going to happen And now, you know, you have a Pentagon, and here's all the proof that it was a Russian rocket. They have the pieces, and our officials in the Pentagon are still hemming and harring over proof positive?
0: Well, and that that raises a lot of questions, too. Uh, The press secretary for the Pentagon, uh, a fellow by the name of Brigadier General Patrick Ryder, said earlier this afternoon, I have no information right now. Okay, he said, we're aware of the press reports alleging that two Russian missiles struck a location inside Poland near the Ukraine border. But he said, I can't tell you, or he said, I can tell you that we don't have any information at this time to corroborate those reports, and we're looking into it further. However, as he's making that statement from the Pentagon, the Polish officials who are right there, are saying, "Oh yeah, these are Russian rockets." We we can confirm this. Right. Um, several different press reports, uh, Associated Press, among others, um, the the Independent in the UK, uh, just to name a couple, are saying, "Yep, this came from Russia." I mean, look, you know, we have a pretty good way and a pretty accurate way of determining where missiles come from when they're launched. This isn't a guessing game.
1: No, certain trajectory, you can tell where it came from. In fact, right now, I am looking at a picture out of Ukraine of pieces of the rocket and the damage it caused. Right. But our Pentagon needs more proof. Yeah, I mean. I mean, this is, maybe they, you know, they're so woke. Our Pentagon now is so into wokeness. Maybe they haven't woke up to the truth.
0: <laughs> well, it, it, it could just be that our military under woke leadership is saying, "Well, they they didn't uh, you know misgender anybody. They they didn't use the wrong pronouns against anybody. <laughs> you know, so why why would we get involved?
1: Yeah." This is a very serious situation. You know, the Pentagon, in a way, is trying to make light of this. This is very, very serious, folks. You know, a lot of people say, oh, we're already in World War III. These are people who really don't understand what world wars are. But if this turns out to be a deliberate attack on Poland, because Craig's scenario is is a strong possibility as well. If this was deliberately done and we have to go in, there you've got your World War III. If it was deliberately done and other nations won't go in like France is, you know, backing away from everything, and then if we back away from all of it, NATO has been rendered totally impotent, useless, and should just be dissolved.
0: Oh, I, I couldn't agree with you more, but let, let's you know expand the scenario a little bit. Let's say it was not intentional. Let's just say it was a wayward rocket. Let's say one got mm-hmm. away. You know, there was right. there's a hiccup in the system, and instead of flying at Lviv, it, it flew at this town 73 miles away from Lviv. Okay, let's, let's just say, okay. for instance, that happened. Okay, what should NATO's response be? Because what Putin is looking for is, is an excuse. Now, if NATO does not react to this, and, and I think a measured response is called for, and by measured, I mean that they should, NATO forces, NATO country militaries, should join the fight in Ukraine and shove Russia back over that border, back into Russia. I'm not saying that they should, they should march all the way to Moscow. Right, right. Okay. Just get them the hell out of Ukraine. That, that would be a measured response. All right. Yeah, but if you let better, Putin, But if you let Putin get away with this, then he's not going to stop.
1: I have a better response, and I'm going to be very careful how I phrase this. The end of the Ukraine war must be deemed by the end of Vladimir Putin. There's two ways to do that. He could be, remember when Khrushchev was let out by right. the military and said, you're done? And I think people know pretty much what the other way to end this war is. This has gone way overboard. We have set back and done basically nothing. The equipment that Zelensky asked for, that he really needed to end this war sooner, is still sitting in Poland undelivered. We cannot let this go on anymore, because Putin has made it very clear he wants his satellites back. He wants Mother Russia, the Russian Empire, rebuilt again, with him as, you know, the head of it. Putin has to be stopped, plain and simple. Putin has to go, whether his own people overthrow him, whether the military overthrows him, whether he's taken out like Khrushchev was taken out, just you're done, or the other way. He just has to go. He's a danger to the entire world. And you want to know something? So is Joe Biden by his ineptitude.
0: Well, speaking of Joe Biden, where the mm-hmm. hell is he? Why has he not made a statement? We know he's over in Bali, but where, what the hell is he doing over there? Early this morning, our time, but
1: mm-hmm. it was,
0: you know, Tuesday evening in Bali. He was right. supposed to have attended a big G20 dinner. I mean a <laughs> major, major function. It's one of the main reasons that he's over there. Right. Okay? He uh, he canceled himself out of that dinner, and nobody has yeah. seen him since. So where the hell is he? Where's Waldo?
1: Maybe he had a stroke or a TIA. I mean, did you see him at the conference? How incoherent and physically rail
0: he was you know i saw i saw a little bit of a speech that he was giving um you know sitting at a table and he was obviously medicated up you know so he could give a Mm -hmm. a 10 minute speech but later he was walking into a function and he's walking next to trudeau from canada right and Biden always has kind of a stiff gait, but I've never seen it that stiff in my life. I mean, he was just barely able to move.
1: Right. Now, That's the reports. Parkinson's. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: and, and some of the reports came out and said the reason that he canceled out on that dinner was due to a severe health situation. Now, what the hell that means, nobody knows because nobody's saying.
1: There's you know he's he's a very sick man i don't care what anybody says it's it's yes he has mental issues but he also has physical issues i'm tending to think if he doesn't show up by tomorrow i'm tending to think he had a, a minor stroke of some kind or if- or they overdosed his medications
0: yeah well, that could be too i mean Listen, we, we've heard from Brigadier General Ryder, okay? We've heard from National Security Council spokesperson Adrian Watson. Mm-hmm. We've heard from the Ukraine ambassador to the UN, uh, Sergei uh, Chislytsev, okay? Um, you know, we've, we've heard from all these people, but all we've gotten about Joe Biden is that he has been briefed on the incident and that he spoke by phone to President Duda of Poland. Now, yes. did he actually speak to President Duda? We don't know.
1: No. Absolutely, we we do not know. <sighs> this it, Let's put it this way. A different president than Biden. Would have been on national TV now, saying what happened in Ukraine because we are a member of NATO, and they would have explaining they would have explained the consequences of what could or could not happen because of this. Right. That's what a true leader would do. That's what a true commander in chief of our armed forces we you know would do. Biden has done none of that. The Pentagon is, is weak at best. So we're left in a very precarious and dangerous situation here.
0: I mean, literally, we've been left to speculate as to what's going on because we're not getting any official word. Right. You know, the, only, the only official stuff we're getting is coming from Ukraine, it's coming from the UK, uh, and it's coming from Poland. And 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 all three, all three of those those sources are in agreement. This is a Russian rocket that came from Russia.
1: Right. Absolutely. I mean, there's no question about who shot it. the The only question that remains: Did it was it a rocket that went off course, and was this really a legitimate accident? I personally don't think so. Because they have not, in all these months of the war, has any rockets ever crossed into another country? No. Suddenly, with Putin at his lowest, a rocket crosses over. This gives him the opportunity to, to flex muscle if NATO were there to act up. Well, or and- do the right thing, I should say.
0: And let's look at the timing of this. This comes on the heels of Russia getting pushed out of Kherson, right? Okay, and and that's a big deal. So you know, Putin's feeling the sting uh, of that mm-hmm. loss because he claimed that Kherson was now part of Russia, and clearly it's not because the Ukraine forces pushed them out of the town of Kherson.
1: Exactly.
0: Okay, it comes at a time when world leaders are meeting at the G20 in Bali. Mm -hmm. You know, that's when this whole giant rocket barrage started. And that is maybe the, the third part of the trifecta with literally 100 rockets, somewhere between 85 and 100 rockets being fired at various places within Ukraine over the past 36 hours. Right. This takes place.
1: Well, here's something. It, it, it's kind of pathetic with what's going on now. Apparently, at six fifteen this evening, Biden made some kind of statement somewhere. Don't know <laughs> where. But he said, "Now, this has nothing to do with Ukraine." What's important to hit for the people to know now that Biden. The man who said that the COVID pandemic is over will now veto a proposed U.S. Senate resolution to terminate the national emergency due to COVID. This is what he put a statement out about at 6.15 tonight.
0: Yeah, we're on the verge of a full-blown World War Three situation, and he's talking about COVID? right.
1: Right, and he's going to veto the Senate resolution that the national emergency that was declared in the in 2020 is over. Even though he said there's no more emergency, remember that?
0: That is
1: what this man puts a statement out at 6.15 this afternoon, um, this evening.
0: With all this going on in Poland
1: exactly
0: yeah obviously he doesn't want to talk about poland he doesn't want to talk about nato he doesn't want to talk about the fact that we have troops and bases in poland he doesn't want to talk about the fact that article five could come into play he doesn't want to talk about the fact that putin whether inadvertently or on purpose bombed literally missiled a town inside of poland he doesn't want to right. talk about how the the NATO countries are now holding emergency meetings. Don't
1: want to talk about any of that. No. No. I mean we got serious problems here. But there was one highlight today, Craig. Oh. Uh, Texas Governor Greg Abbott has declared an emergency at the border. Something Trump, Kamala, and the Democrats refuse to do. We are facing a national emergency at the southern border.
0: You know, and it's a—it's about time. Okay, and it's not like it's—it's uh, it's not like he didn't give the Biden administration ample time uh, to to get something done there. But right. the numbers that came in for October were staggering. Uh, for, for illegal border crossings, and I, I think Governor Abbott is looking at that and saying, "Well, you know, we we got to do something here. Uh, we can't we can't go on like this anymore." And and because his state is taking the brunt of all of that, honestly, mm. you know, let, let me just tell you, here's here's the things. Um, calling it an invasion, invoking the invasion clause of the Texas Constitution. This is what it allows Texas to do. They can deploy the National Guard to safeguard the border and repel and turn back immigrants trying to cross the border illegally. They can deploy the Texas Department of Public Safety to arrest and return Illegal aliens who've crossed illegally and deploy DPS to arrest illegal aliens for criminal activity. They can build a border wall in multiple counties along the border. They can deploy gunboats. To secure the border, they can designate Mexican drug cartels as foreign terrorist organizations about damn time. They Mm -hmm. can enter into a compact with other states to secure the border. They can enter into an agreement with foreign powers to enhance border security. And they can provide resources for border counties to increase their efforts to respond to the invasion.
1: This is this, our country is falling apart here, and unfortunately, half the country doesn't understand really what we're facing.
0: No, they, they don't care. They
1: ignore inflation. They ignore escalating gas prices and grocery prices, the rise in crime. They ignore everything, and now we're facing a very serious military. Altercation in Ukraine and at our border, because now Greg Abbott can indeed call the National Guard, in, like you say, and people are just you know they're like oblivious. Well, folks, they're we told you oblivious to the truth going around them, and you know what, Craig, it very well might take a second American Revolution to set things right again.
0: Am I, I, mean, I calling
1: for one? No, no, I don't want to hear that nonsense from anybody. I'm just saying it might very well take,
0: I, you know, we're, we're, I hate to say it, but we're kind of devolving into that scenario. You know, it, yeah. it just is what it is. Well, look, look, we've made it to the bottom of the hour folks. We told you there's a lot of stuff we're keeping our eye on. And now, you know, just part of it. Okay. I mean, this this has been crazy. It's a crazy afternoon, but we're watching every bit of it, including uh, the count towards 218 in the house. About a half an hour from right now, I'm going to be talking about DeSantis 2024, Unite the Right. But when we come back from this bottom of the hour commercial break, Diane's got it with two more years, two more years, need I say more folks stick around there's plenty more to come on right side patriots after that right side patriots radio the best in conservative commentary news and talk where we do away with the politically correct nonsense and give you the politically direct truth This is the home of Right Side Patriots every Tuesday and Friday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern with Craig Andreessen and Diane Sori. We're working to make this country great again from the right and leaving puddles of melted snowflakes on the left. Thanks for listening to Right Side Patriots, your best bet on the Internet.
1: And join us both on Right Side Patriots every Tuesday and Friday night from 7 to 9 p.m. EST at RSPRadio1.com.
0: Welcome back to Right Side Patriots on RSPRadio1.com. Craig Andreessen at the National Patriot Diane Sori at the Patriot Factor getting you through the Tuesday night edition of the show but if you miss any part of it all you have to do is go to rspradio1.com tomorrow morning bright and early click the podcast button and this show and all the rest are sitting there just waiting for you yes alright so for the rest of the show we're dealing kind of with the uh, uh, certain results of the election that was held a week ago and is still ongoing tonight, mm-hmm. um, we're we're dealing with the uh, with the turnout and the the remarkable showing for Ron DeSantis in the state of Florida. And yes, my oh geez. my, what mm-hmm. a night last Tuesday night was. Um,
1: yes.
0: Diane, you've you've put together an op-ed under the title of Two More Years, Two More Years, Need I Say More?
1: Yes, well, let's start by saying the promised red wave, for the most part, never came. It ended up being but a small puddle washing up upon the beach, so to speak, as Republican-hoped-for victories turned into losses that both shocked and awed. Led off by the blue states of New York and Pennsylvania, both proved themselves to be states whose voters seemed to relish in their total lack of common sense, as New Yorkers elected a governor who not only denies a rise in crime, no matter the statistics shown, but who thinks our economy is moving merrily, merrily along. And as for Pennsylvania, her voters elected a senator who, like Joe Biden, cannot even string two words together in a coherent sentence. A shadow of a man who, again like Biden, is not medically fit to hold office and who is but a placeholder until he turns his seat over to his even further to the left wife due to medical issues pertaining from his recent major stroke an angry man whose temper flares more times than it should. John Fetterman's campaign was but fear-mongering nonsense spewed, while New York Governor Kathy Hoschel remains oblivious to the serious issues facing not only our country, but New Yorkers as well. And both saw the economy, record high inflation, an increase in crime along with the invasion of our southern border as something not worthy of even a mention as they insistently whined, quote, our economy is at stake if Republicans win. Well, I have a few choice words for those who voted for these two. As in, don't dare start whining when your heating costs rise, your grocery bill and gas prices skyrocket, or when crime comes knocking at your own front door. The old adage of you reap what you sow is truly quite apropos. And one last thing about Pennsylvania, the whining about running out of balance is pure unadulterated nonsense, for the number of ballots printed corresponds to the number of registered voters, plus a certain given number of extras. So if Pennsylvania ran out of ballots, it's because more folks were voting than were registered to vote. Fraud, Craig, personified egged on by Fetterman himself, who publicly stated he wanted thousands of, quote, illegally cast votes counted if he were to lose on first count.
0: Yeah, but luckily all those problems were relegated to the East Coast. I mean, it was Pennsylvania, nowhere else. I mean, right?
1: Absolutely. (laughs) And problems were not limited to the East Coast. For just like in 2020, there were problems in Arizona as well, most especially in Maricopa County, where a supposed, quote, printing malfunction at about one quarter of the county's polling places saw election officials assuring voters that every ballot would indeed be counted. And if you believe that nonsense, you probably have a D next to your name. But isn't it funny that only certain states Mostly blue or swing states, no matter the election, always seem to have voting irregularities and or tabulation issues, problems they never had before the Democrats assumed and are desperate to hold on to the reins of power. But no, there were winners as well, and to name but a few. J.D. Vance beat Tim Ryan to turn Ohio Senate seat red. Ron Johnson kept his Wisconsin Senate seat. Brian kept, again, beat the infamous Stacey Abrams to remain the Republican governor of Georgia. Sarah Huckabee Sanders became governor of Arkansas in what amounts to a landslide. And the Democrats lost New York's historically blue 18th congressional district when Representative Patrick Maloney conceded his race to Mike Lawler. But nothing on election night compared to what happened in my free state of Florida when our great Governor Ron DeSantis beat political party flip-flopper Charlie Crist by 20 points, a blowout which trickled down throughout state races, as well as his turning Miami-Dade County, a blue county for decades red. And also, Craig, Senator Marco Rubio, beat his challenger, Representative Val Demings, by almost 16 points, now making Florida a solidly red state.
0: You know, I think really the most amazing part of that was what you said about Miami-Dade County. I Mm -hmm. mean, that that was a blue county. Blue, 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 uh, and has been for a long, long time. Decades. And Mm -hmm. uh, all of a sudden, it turns red, and that tells you that there are Democrats, people that traditionally voted blue, were voting for Ron DeSantis. Now, oh,
1: absolutely, w-
0: with that twenty-point landslide, that kind of puts him into a whole different category, doesn't it?
1: Yes, it does. And with his amazing win, Governor Ron DeSantis did become the new de facto leader of the Republican Party. President Trump has been placed replaced as per the New York Times, by, quote, the future. And why? Because the fact is that few Trump-endorsed candidates won what were easily winnable races. Our hold on the House will be slim at best, and the Senate remains, as I was writing this, too close to call. Simply, the red wave did not happen and i mean this with all due respect to president trump the man who not only did great things while president but whose love of this country is born none but now the time has come for we republicans to move beyond our party's past leaders and embrace our future leaders for if we don't we have no chance to retake the white house in 2024 and why because narcissism and an overinflated ego is not a platform voters embrace. Nor are Trump's recent words spoken before the midterm ballots were even cast. I should get the credit if my chosen candidates triumph, but that I shouldn't be blamed if they don't, end quote. Really, I think not. Regarding either scenario, and if truth be told, a true patriot, when seeing the handwriting on the wall, would step aside when a better and more electable candidate emerges. And the fact is that President Trump is indeed somewhat to blame for the red wave that wasn't, no matter his continuing to hold sway over those in his Republican and conservative base. How so? As as Trump's popularity continues to drop to new lows, after he purposely broke ronald reagan's 11th commandment to never speak ill of a fellow republican he did so with his ron De sanctimonious comment and you can read that in a previous article of mine called an uncalled for misstep we now find that as per new polls two-thirds of the all-important and much-needed independent voters now hold an unfavorable opinion of our 45th president and this can be witnessed by Pennsylvania's now Senator Fetterman winning 57% of the independent vote, coupled with the fact that Trump selfishly instigated what was a major political distraction during the midterm's final countdown hours by his going all out and promoting speculation about his own possible 2024 presidential run. And Craig? with his focusing on himself instead of focusing on the election at hand trump is now actually proving himself to be somewhat toxic to both republican candidates and the republican platform itself
0: okay so you're you're being critical uh of president trump here but it's not uh it's not a shotgun blast It it's it's this is This criticism that you're giving to the president is constructive criticism, I would think.
1: Right. In no way do I take away from the great things he did during his presidency. But know that none of this criticism is related at all to President Trump's recognized and highly heralded successful economic and foreign policies, but is solely due to his inability to not only keep his mouth shut, but to his overinflated ego dictating that all things political must revolve and focus on he, Donald J. Trump, alone. Simply, Trump's continued childish behavior is now seen by many of us who supported him as being both divisive and vindictive towards anyone who dares not to relish in his continued theatrics, The signaling that it's now time we move on to a uniter instead of a divider. Trump's overwhelming need for revenge, which at times seems to have run its course, unfortunately, always remains festering just below the surface. Case in point, Trump recently said in an interview in the Palm Beach Post that Governor DeSantis would, quote, hurt himself badly if he chose to seek the White House in two years, as he would reveal, quote, things about DeSantis, that won't be flattering, end quote, thus proving that Trump's jealous tendencies and now vindictiveness and even political blackmail of sorts has crossed into the nth degree. Also, Trump's recent statement regarding Virginia's great Republican Governor Glenn Youngkin seems quite racist of a statement because he said that Governor Youngkin's name young kin, sounds Chinese, doesn't it? That's quote. And that, quote, he couldn't have won without me, end quote, proves that Donald J. Trump and his overinflated, ever so divisive ego are no longer what we need to set America right again. But the fact remains that no one has proven to be a better uniter while not saying one bad or derogatory word about Donald Trump than Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, whose 20-point win over Democrat Charlie Crist was accomplished with the help of Democrat votes. His policies and platform resonated across party lines, something Trump failed to do in the past and obviously still fails to do, while allowing Democrats to happily cross over the partisan po- uh, body poly- political and cast their vote DeSantis and Craig a true leader was born on midterm election night and his name is Ron DeSantis
0: you know election night you and I were uh, covering things live on election night and when Governor DeSantis took the stage with his family uh, mm-hmm. to make make the victory speech that was something to behold
1: yes it was. And with our governor stating during that victory speech that Florida is and will remain a graveyard for, quote, woke policies, a state that is a citadel of freedom, which has maintained law and order, one in which taxpayers were respected while having protected the rights of parents, his words of truth were easily backed up by his actions taken. We fight the woke in the legislature, we fight the woke in the schools, we fight the woke in the corporations, and we will never, ever surrender to the woke mob. That's all quotes from his speech. Those were in reference to the heart of Democrat policies, policies destroying American ideals, values, and morality. Quote, I have only begun to fight our governor added, while many in the crowd, and I'm sure in many Florida homes happily chanted, quote, Two more years, two more years, a loud and clear reference to ongoing speculation that Ron DeSantis may indeed seek the twenty twenty four presidential nomination. The Bull in a China Shop versus the Calm Voice of Reason An interesting point-counterpoint primary matchup for sure. A matchup where I would favor DeSantis in the primary, but would cast my vote for Trump if he were to get the nomination. And while we Floridians would hate to lose Governor Ron DeSantis as our governor, our state would be left in good hands with Lieutenant Governor Jeanette Nunes, a female DeSantis politically and policy-wise. And the truth is that America needs a man like Ron DeSantis to set our country right. We need a man who draws supporters across party lines, a man with a proven record of success, a family man, a military veteran who understands what being commander-in-chief truly means. And most importantly, we need the next generation of leaders— for America's return to greatness, stability, and exceptionalism no longer lies in the past, but with younger leaders who look towards and define the future. So what better way to start that return? What better way to see a red wave truly reaching fruition than by seeing Ron DeSantis, Florida and the Republicans' now greatest political asset, Starting the ball rolling, case closed.
0: You know, last Tuesday night that that you know we watched as that lead DeSantis had built and built and built and built, and, built. and we kept remarking about it. You know, throughout the broadcast while we were on the air, and yes. you know, twenty points—that's that's huge. That's Especially when you when you consider that that he won his first term as governor by something less
1: than three points right back then he was an unknown he was a state senator you know known in certain areas but he was really unknown but when he announced his run and as he built his candidacy and more and more people listened to him yes trump did come in at the end and campaign for him but he came in at the end DeSantis built up all the momentum for him on his own. Yeah, yes, Trump endorsed him and which was great. But he was always Trump had a bit of jealousy for Ron DeSantis because I think he saw greatness in him.
0: Well, and you know what what he said about DeSantis calling him de sanctimonious. Uh, cool. And and things, I mean, he's, and, and what he said about Glenn Youngkin, uh, you know, these are the types of things that Trump said about his competition in 2016 leading up to the nomination. Now, I, I understand, you know, in 2016... You know, you're going to, if you really, really want the nomination, you're going to go out and attack everybody. Now, he, he attacked, mm-hmm. uh, you know, every single person on that stage, and it was a packed stage, including Marco Rubio in 2016. Now, he and Marco mm-hmm. get along fine. Now, he doesn't see Marco as a threat.
1: Well, they, they have made peace with each other. Um, I wouldn't, you know, call it the, the, the greatest whatever. Um, and he did go to a Marco rally before the election, but he showed up at the right. rally. Right. Big difference than being, you know, called upon to endorse me situation. You know, people need to understand that. And by the way, uh, DeSantis's victory speech, which was absolutely fantastic, is embedded in my blog.
0: You know, you, you look at the situation there. Ron DeSantis, it, you know, and you mentioned it. You clearly mentioned it in the op-ed. Which, which, by the way, folks, is two more years, two more years. Need I say more? And you can get it at Diane's blog, the thepatriotfactor.blogspot.com. Or you can go to rspradio1.com, pick it up there. And we hope you do, and we hope you share it. But, you know... That victory speech was an incredible speech because it was forceful. It was it was competent. It was uh, right spot on on the topics that, that voters not only in Florida, but I think around the country care about.
1: Yeah. And what was also fantastic about it was, The man showed his family values. And if people remember right uh, before the election, his wife, Casey, put out a video that had people in tears when she was going through a very serious breast cancer fight. All the things Ron did for the family, for her, Mm. when she was at her lowest, that resonated with so many people. And let me tell you, on election day, I spoke to many Democrats there at the polling, at our polling place, and they all said, we voted for DeSantis.
0: Well, he brought people across the aisle. He uh, he yes. switched a lot of minds. Um, and a lot of it, you know, you look at his numbers, you, you look at the breakdown in demographics from exit polling, he picked up an awful lot of minority votes, too.
1: Uh, uh, Hispanic votes, tremendous. Dade County is, you know, has a very sizable Hispanic population. Most is Cuban. But there are other Hispanics there. Well, he turned it solidly red after decades of being blue. The Cubans always supported the Republicans. They know what it's like to live under socialism and communism. But he now brought in other Hispanics, the Venezuelans, Colombians, he brought in Haitians through his policies. Right. And that's what a what a true leader is about. He never badmouthed his opposition. He never badmouthed anyone.
0: No, he let he his talked- actions speak for him.
1: Right. His actions spoke for him. But you know, I, I have it and, and he has vowed, he's not going to say a word about Trump in any bad light. Now, he will make an announcement one way or another. We here in Florida know this come May. We will know come May if he's going to run or not. Could it be sooner? Yeah, but he, he is hitting for a May target date i I, you know he's giving a chance to look at the situation
0: i think that's smart
1: i think that's very smart and he's not rushing in to any decision i am very curious what trump is going to say tonight at nine o'clock if he starts slamming opposition in an announcement speech he's going to lose a lot of republican supporters and like i said he gets the nomination he has my vote but I personally would rather to see see DeSantis get it because their policies are very, very similar, but their modes of delivery and actions are greatly different. It's
0: going to be an interesting thing to see. You know, I mean, we'll be watching. That's another thing we're keeping an eye on tonight is, uh, you know. We're Trump's. never
1: going to get sleep, Craig.
0: <laughs> no, we're going to be up for weeks um, you know, but Trump at nine o'clock tonight, Eastern time is, is going to make, you know, whatever announcement he's going to make, I guarantee you, he's going to run. Um, but like you said, it just depends, uh, a lot on the, the flavor of, of what he has to say tonight. Right. You know, there's and a lot. Very,
1: there is something though, very interesting, Craig. The news reports are saying, and we won't know any proof until it happens, Ivanka, Iv- Ivanka, Ivana Trump will not be there, nor will her husband. They do not support this.
0: Yeah. And, and see and that's, if
1: that's true or not.
0: Yeah, you know, we'll see. We'll see. You know, it's, uh, the whole speech is being delivered from Mar-a-Lago mm-hmm. at 9 o'clock Eastern time tonight, Tuesday night. So we'll we'll see what that's all about. But again, folks, go to Diane's blog, thepatriotfactor.blogspot.com or go to rspradio1.com. You get the link either way. Read the article. You may agree with it, you may disagree with it. We'll talk more about that at the end of the next segment. But you owe your owe it to yourself to to give it a read with an open
1: mind. Right, because I even admit Trump was a great president.
0: Exactly. Folks, we've hit the top of the hour. That means we've got to take another short break, get a couple more station IDs in here. And when we come back, I'm going to be talking about DeSantis 2024, Unite the Right. Stay with us there's more right-side patriots after this. Hi
1: guys, Diane sorry from the Patriot Factor on the patriotfactor.blogspot.com where I found a home base 7 years ago after becoming one of Facebook's long-time Facebook felons or so I've been told by the Facebook gods. And join us both on Right Side Patriots every Tuesday and Friday night from 7 to 9 p.m. EST at RSPRadio1.com.
0: You're listening to Right Side Patriots Radio, the best in conservative commentary, news, and talk where we do away with the politically correct nonsense, and give you the politically direct truth. This is the home of right-side patriots every Tuesday and Friday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern with Craig Andreessen and Diane Sori. We're working to make this country great again from the right and leaving puddles of melted snowflakes on the left. Thanks for listening to Right Side Patriots, your best bet on the Internet.
1: You're listening to RSPRadio1.com.
0: Welcome back to Right Side Patriots on RSPRadio1.com. Craig Vriesen at the National Patriot, and Diane Sori, right over there at the Patriot Factor. It's Tuesday night. We're working our way through the show. One final segment to go. If you miss any part of it, go to rspradio radio1.com, tomorrow morning, click the podcast button, and become automatically a pod person.
1: <laughs> we love our
0: pod people. We do. They're awesome. All right, so we're talking about Ron DeSantis. We're talking about the remarkable way he won in Florida a week ago tonight. Uh, You know, somehow Florida manages to count all their votes in one night. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, and look, we're not really talking about it, but I'm going to say it right here. Uh, You know, they had trouble in Florida uh, for a while. Uh, in, in past elections, getting things counted up, doing it right,
1: 2000, yeah,
0: yeah. Mm-hmm. But thanks to Ron, DeSant- yeah, thanks to Ron DeSantis, they cleared up all that problem and uh, they were able to count all their votes in a couple of hours on Tuesday. Yeah, are you listening, you Pennsylvania? Are, are you listening, Arizona? <laughs> Hello, Nevada. come in, Rangoon. <laughs> yeah. All right, so DeSantis, 2024, Unite the Right. Donald Trump was the right man for the job in 2016, and despite liberal efforts to subvert his presidency, he rose above the firestorm of manufactured allegations to set our country on the right track, both domestically and on the world stage. He was the right man then. He's not the right man for 2024. As convinced Of that, as I am right now, I will support him should he run and garner the nomination. A nomination that I believed, past tense, that was his for the taking just a few short weeks ago. But now, today, I believe that gaining that nomination is at best an uphill battle. I say that based on what I saw last Tuesday in the midterm election. What should have been a red tsunami turned out to be a ripple with several Trump-backed candidates snatching defeat from the jaws of victory. I don't say this lightly, but it's time to reassess how we approach the 2024 election on a national basis. It's not that I think Trump's policies need to be trashed, because we know those policies worked. And I do believe that while the goals should remain the same, and the message Trump delivered in 2016 still holds true, holding or heading into 2024, the messaging needs to change. Now, Diane made that point a week or so ago in an op-ed on her blog at the Patriot Factor, and that was before the midterm disaster on Tuesday. But now, I think there's a finer point in light of what transpired last week that we can put on it. Diane, the liberals aren't going to change. And why should they? Their tactics worked last week. And they have no reason to change their tactics now. Our strategy failed last week. And if we don't make substantive changes to that strategy heading into 2024, we're not going to like the results of the next election any more than we've liked the outcome of last week's election.
1: Yeah. Now, Trump has some very positives when he campaigns. I mean, nobody draws the crowds in like Trump. He gets thousands and thousands of people at his rally. But there is a problem with other people. And, and that problem, I mentioned it. You, you're going to mention it. It's drawing in from the other parties.
0: Well, that's right. I mean, Trump can fire up the base like nobody's mm-hmm. business. Well, that's a given. But the base isn't the problem. Not only do conservatives need the rank-and-file voters to turn out in 2024, we have to flip moderate blue voters into red voters and galvanize the independent voters to voting Republican. And Trump's brand of campaigning isn't going to accomplish that task. Putting it another way, Trump can sell new MAGA hats to the same people that bought MAGA hats before. But he can't bring in new customers through the door we as conservatives need a new salesman. The bright spot for conservatives and for the Republican Party in last week's midterm election was Florida. Ron DeSantis flipped Miami-Dade County from bright blue to red. Now He could have won without making the seemingly impossible into a reality, but what, was he, what he was able to do in Miami-Dade County should now serve not only as the goal going forward, but as the blueprint for building a successful 2024 national platform and campaign style. DeSantis got no help from Trump, and that turned out to be a benefit, but dare I say that while DeSantis may have perfected the strategy, he didn't invent it. That nod goes to Glenn Youngkin, who ran a highly successful gubernatorial campaign in Virginia by putting distance between himself and President Trump. DeSantis also did something else that I don't believe Trump is capable of doing at this juncture. He listened to the people rather than taking advice of advisors, or worse yet, relying solely on his own personal agenda. He focused on what the people of Florida wanted, what they needed, and what was overall best for the enrichment of his state. DeSantis was brash, but without the rhetoric. DeSantis was bold, but without the arrogance. DeSantis was confident without the narcissism. Diane DeSantis was Trump without being Trump, and it resonated with the voters, not just in his own state, but across the nation and across the political aisle, especially in miami-dade county
1: well the one thing that's basically happening is trump has taken to doing a certain thing since the election and it's not quite a very good thing or a good face to put on a presidential run in my opinion
0: well i kind of think you're right since last tuesday night Trump has started going on a rampage against fellow conservatives, who he must see as a threat to his own 2024 nomination. Not only has he gone after Ron DeSantis, he also launched an attack against Glenn Youngkin. Trump's attacks are unwarranted, unnecessary, and way off base. In making such attacks, he's only driving his own political stock lower. Listen, I could see if Trump was going after establishment Republicans and rhinos, the likes of Mitch McConnell, but that's not what he's doing. Mm -hmm. Instead, Trump is targeting the best the party has to offer, and the only reason for doing that, that I can see, is if Trump is afraid of 2024 competition from his own side of the aisle. A smart candidate would be trying to build bridges between himself and rising stars and proven big winners to unite the party for 2024. But Trump isn't building bridges. He's burning them to the ground. Trump can't change his style any more than a leopard can change its spots. And even if he could, or perhaps maybe a better way of putting it would be to say that even if he tried to, nobody... uh, who isn't already a diehard Trump supporter would believe him? Trump is Trump. And in 2016, that's what conservatives and the country needed. That was then, and this is now. Yes, we need to put America first. We need to bring back energy independence. Yes, we need to cut taxes, bring manufacturing back. End this downward spiral of inflation that's raising prices and driving our nation into the economic abyss. And yes, we need to strengthen the military, reclaim our nation's education, reestablish our border, and get back to true law and order in our system of justice, while doing away with all the woke nonsense. And while those are Trump ideals, he's the wrong messenger. Diane, in 2024, Republican, the Republican nomination that was Trump's for the taking just a few short weeks ago is now wide open. And based on the poor performance of Trump-backed 2022 candidates, at least some of them, it's a fair bet that contenders for Trump's crown will start coming out of the woodwork over the next couple of months. Now, I believe there's more bad there than there is good in that
1: regard. Well, you have twenty candidates coming out. Probably it will fracture the party even more than it is currently.
0: I I agree. I think it's the last thing we need in twenty twenty four is that slate of, as you mentioned, twenty potential presidential candidates sharing a stage and being reduced to thirty second sound bites where deep substance is really needed. I don't think such a crowded or potentially crowded field is helpful. I believe that what we need from this point until the 2024 election is focus. We need a candidate who will laser focus on the issues while putting all the emphasis on the needs of the country rather than on the candidate. That's not Trump. It is Ron DeSantis. When the Biden regime and his lapdog mainstream media attacked Florida and DeSantis for reopening the state during COVID, DeSantis stood strong because he knew that the people of Florida deserved better than what the Biden regime was pushing. It resonated across the country as people by the tens of thousands packed up and moved to the free state of Florida. Businesses flocked to Florida too because unlike anywhere else in the country, they could do business in Florida. No matter what the liberals threw at Ron DeSantis, he weathered the storm without flinching, and when the weather threw a storm at Florida, DeSantis responded faster than Ian's winds and rebuilt bridges faster than anyone thought possible because people simply weren't paying attention. Those bridges to Sanibel Island weren't the first bridges DeSantis had built because Before he got truckloads of groceries to Sanibel, he bridged the political gap in Miami-Dade County. Now here's something important that's worth noting, and something I think nobody else is talking about. DeSantis didn't build those political bridges by compromising with liberals. He built them by winning over moderate Democrats, minorities, and women via his actions, not his words. But speaking of words, allow me to start closing this out with, on election night last week, as winning politicians always do, a speech was made by Ron DeSantis, but his was different. Yes, he thanked the people of Florida. He highlighted Florida's accomplishments over the past four years. And yes, he thanked his staff because he knew that without them, the list of grand accomplishments wouldn't have been nearly as long or as important. But there was more to it than just the standard after-victory speech. As Ron DeStandis stood on that podium, sharing the credit, not taking it, the crowd did what jubilant crowds often do. They started chanting, Two more years, two more years. They see what so many of us saw that night, the future president of the United States. And Diane, they weren't about keeping Ron DeSantis to themselves. They were letting it be known that two years from now, in 2024, they'll push the new leader of the Republican Party in a run for the White House. There's no reason for DeSantis to wait until 2028. The time is now. His supporters in Florida know it. Those from other states see it, and if DeSantis himself doesn't know it or doesn't do it, I think he's making a huge mistake.
1: Well, we'll know in May whether his time is right now or whether it's in 2028, but I do wholeheartedly agree one day, whether it's 24 or 28, this man will the president of the United States.
0: I couldn't agree with him more. And basically, that speech he gave a week ago was not a victory speech. It was the first campaign speech of his 2024 run for the White House, whether or not he even knows it. Trump will run. He will announce in less than two hours. But DeSantis needs to run the table and primary Trump out of the race. Trump should he regain the Oval Office, is one and done. And we as conservatives and Republicans need to have a longer vision than just the next four years. Ron DeSantis would be a legit two-term candidate delivering the policies that made Trump and America great, but with a different campaign style that does more than energize the base. DeSantis can truly unify the Republican Party and provide the sort of coattails that other candidates can ride to victory. Now, I'll support any Republican that wins the 2024 primary, including, of course, President Trump. But my primary vote will go to Ron DeSantis, should he choose to run, and we won't know that until May. But if he doesn't run, my primary vote goes to President Trump. But there is nothing de-sanctimonious about the governor of the free state of Florida. DeSantis 2024, Unite the Right.
1: Absolutely 100%, and I think you need to tell our listening public something that we started over on Facebook.
0: Well, we Diana and I started up a, a Facebook group literally called DeSantis 2024, Unite the Right. And we're inviting anybody that would like to join that to join it. Now, yeah, we do have some rules. We're not going to put up with a bunch of nonsense. We're not going to put up with a bunch of demeaning uh, other Republicans. We're going to kind of right. stick to the Reagan uh, 11th commandment on that. Uh, you know, if you want to come over there and, and talk bad about any Republican candidate coming up in, in 2024, that's not the place to do it because we'll show you the door.
1: Well, they, we have to put one little caveat there. We will not allow the talking bad of any candidate that wants to run. But if someone wants to say, you know, ditch Mitch, be our guest.
0: Well, yeah, that you know that's true. I mean, we're you know we're we're talking about conservative candidates here, and Mitch is not a conservative candidate.
1: No, and and straight Republican candidates as well.
0: You know, it doesn't I mean,
1: have to be just conservative Republican candidates as well.
0: Now, if if you have a legitimate beef, uh, you know, and and you can uh, you know lend words to that that are not derogatory or vile then then that's fine right. you know but if you can get on there and call people a piece of you know what right um that's probably not going to work out too good for you but yeah we started the facebook group the Santas 2024 unite the right we hope people will go over there and join now diane we've got a few minutes left here about 10 minutes or so and I want to bring up, you know, you and I both uh put up these um your your op-ed, my commentary yesterday. Mm-hmm. And we we've been all over the board with comments and responses uh to these commentaries. And part of what I see is what I see as part of the problem. Uh you know, we're we're both going about 50-50 or so, you know, positive to negative right. you know about this. The diehard, absolutely diehard President Trump fanatics out there and you know, go for it. Um, he's got my vote if if DeSantis doesn't run, you know, but they're calling us every name in the book. They call me a communist.
1: And they call me a, a, a I'm a traitor. I got that. Because, because I'm supporting somebody else and I said, first of all, you didn't even read my article or you would have seen in the article I praised President Trump for his presidency and I said I will vote for Trump if he gets the nomination. Too many people read headlines and don't read the entire articles.
0: I think we both noticed that. You know, I got a lot of yeah. that. You know, but you know the the part of the problem here is that, you know, they they're not looking at the wider picture they're Mm -hmm. looking for you know you mentioned it in your op-ed they're looking for revenge trump is looking for revenge so a lot of his diehard supporters are too right okay we need to have a different vision for 2024 it can't just be about revenge you know if that's what it's about you're running on the past you're not looking to the future and that's a problem and and as conservatives as republicans we had damn well start better start looking to the future than trying to write the past. What happened in 2020 happened in 2020. It's a a shameful thing. It was cheating. There's no doubt about it. That election was stolen from us. It was stolen from President Trump. I I will go to my grave believing that.
1: I I agree it was stolen 100%. Joe Biden never came out of his basement. and, And on the few occasions that he was forced out, he had handfuls of people at rallies. Hey, we're
0: on, talking folks. six to ten people.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's no way that man got 80 million votes legally. I, I
0: couldn't agree with you more. Trump got screwed on that right. deal. I mean, royally screwed yes, on he that did. deal. But that was 2020. Right now, it's 2022, and we're looking ahead to 2024 and 2028. If we keep focusing on what transpired in 2020, we're not doing justice to what we need to do in 2024 or 2028.
1: That's right. We've got to look to the future. We have to stop looking to the past. And you have to have a visionary now, especially with the world being in such a precarious situation You can't keep going back to the past. And you can't keep running a campaign on vindictiveness and revenge. Yes, Trump is right to seek revenge. However, you cross a certain line and you'll be just like Hillary with all her revengeful, you know, comments and innuendos. That's not a place Trump needs to go.
0: You know, maybe the... Maybe the sweetest revenge of all, Diane, is to know that the policies you put in place when you were in that office for four years absolutely 100% worked, and then have the next Republican in the office reinstate those same policies and make yes. them work again that's revenge that's saying look that's true. i did it right yes. my policies were good my policies work for the country they work for the people of the country it doesn't matter who puts them in place the policies are the policies that is sweet revenge
1: right and someone who truly loves their country which president trump does and you notice craig and i still call him president trump we'd never call Biden president. But a true patriot that loves their country will step aside for another patriot who has a better chance of bringing back what we should be. Joe Biden and crew took away what we were and what we should be. We need someone that can bring that back. And right now, at this point in time, Trump is running on revenge alone.
0: You know, the the dream ticket, and I don't think this is going to happen, okay? Now, you know, make no illusion about it. I don't think this is going to happen. The dream ticket for 2024 would be Trump-DeSantis because You know, if they run as a as a ticket, if they can pat, you know, Trump can patch up the differences that he has with DeSantis. DeSantis will bring people from across the aisle. Trump can go out there and be the ramrod. DeSantis gets four years as vice president. You know, on the job training, and in twenty twenty eight, it's DeSantis's.
1: Except there's one problem with that: the Democrats who voted for DeSantis. Who supported him in his policies? Most of them cannot stomach Trump. Well, and that's the
0: that, that
1: ticket is not going to work. What we need is a DeSantis, say DeSantis, Christie, Nome, DeSantis, Nikki Haley, DeSantis, Mike Pompeo. We need strong Republicans who can cross over.
0: Well, and and I, I agree mean, with Democrats,
1: you. You know who can help. Yeah. Republicans by crossing over,
0: and, and I, I one hundred percent agree with you, and that's why I said it's not going to happen. You know, I mean, it's it, we're not going to get that that Trump Desantis ticket. So no. it's just not going to happen. Um no. You know, uh, right now, you know, the the whole thing is looking towards the future and saying what's going to be best for this country in the future. Mm-hmm. What candidate coming up for twenty twenty four? and then again in 2028 has the best chance of pulling more people not only democrats not only minorities but independents as well the independents in, are critical into that republican camp and getting them to vote red and i i think i think because of the polarizing i mean the polarizing effect that donald trump has while it was great for 2016 he was the right man in 2016 I don't think that's going to play well in twenty
1: twenty four. No, and remember, in twenty sixteen he was going against the lowest of the low, Hillary Clinton. Right. He needed to go in with all guns ablazing, going against Biden. If Biden is the nominee, that's you got to handle it differently. And Ron DeSantis could easily handle Joe Biden.
0: Well, I, I, you know, I think so, and I think, honestly, I think Trump could handle Joe Biden too, but you know, it, it's going to take somebody that can bring people across the aisle, bring people from different aspects, and get them to vote red. And Trump, the the yeah. people that hate Trump are going to hate him till the till the end of time.
1: Exactly, and also, you know, we got to get rid of these Dominion voting machines. We've got to get new election laws. And I'm going to be speaking about that right after we have our Thanksgiving break. There are ways to bring back election integrity, but certain things must be done.
0: Folks, we're just about out of time. Diane brings up a good point. We're going to take next week off. It's Thanksgiving week. People are going to be busy. They're going to be cooking. They're going to be getting together with family. They're going to be traveling. Um, you know, all of that good stuff. So we're going to take a break. We're going to take Tuesday and Friday off. I mean, we're taking Tuesday off to get ready for Thanksgiving. We're taking Friday off to recover from Thanksgiving.
1: (laughs) And also it's good. You know, it's black Friday and I don't think people want to be listening to, you know, the radio. So we'll be back a
0: week from, you know, two weeks from tonight. Um, next week we're off. So two weeks from tonight we'll be back. Hopefully, we'll have the voting situation cleared up, or at least we'll have another county uh, or another precinct counted uh, when we come back in two <laughs> weeks. I'm not guaranteeing you that the, wait, the, the wait final minute, count will be done.
1: Saying when we come back in two weeks, we are still doing a show this Friday night.
0: Yes, but I, I mean you know for for commentaries and stuff. Yeah, yeah, we'll be on we'll be on this Friday night. Yeah, that's right. Uh, but we're going to keep an eye on all the stuff uh, coming up on Friday. It's the talk show version. It, we, you know, we're, we're going to hit as many topics as we possibly can. Obviously, the situation in Poland. Obviously, the voting, uh, the the counts. Obviously, um, you know, the, the next Biden disaster because you know one's coming. Right. Um, you know, we're going to keep an eye on all of that and everything else that we possibly can we'll bring it to you on friday uh, and then we're taking all of next week off so right but with that diane i think we have plum run out of time
1: yes we have so nighty night
0: folks folks you have yourselves a great night we'll catch up with you on friday bye-bye